4,000 feet uh, speed, uh, 180 knots, one double jingle. Hey guys, welcome to Cockpits and Cocktails. Tonight we have a wonderful guest, Mindy Lindheim, uh, and we got our other host, Natalie Flygirl Kelly. You got the name right. That was good. <laughs> I am terrible at that. <laughs> also known as Schmindy, right? Mindy. Yep, that's it. That's how you find me online, at least. That's right, yeah. Because I I sometimes call people by their handles instead of their actual names, and then sometimes I'm like, do I even know their last name? Or, you know, just like, <sighs> until you really connect with somebody and know the ins and outs of something, you might not know. So. True, true. So, Mindy. We met uh, at Oshkosh with a mutual friend, um, Captain Val, and uh, she invited me over. It was actually the first time we met, um, me and Val, personally, and she was texting me and was like, hey, come to the Textron tent. Um, I'm here with Mindy, and I feel like there was somebody else, too, there at the time. But So I came over, and we um, proceeded to take photos. <laughs> I love it. I didn't know that was y'all's first time meeting each other. It seems like you yeah. guys knew each other. No, we just acted like we did. <laughs> I love that. You told me. <laughs> so, Mindy, can you tell us more yeah. about yeah. what you do and you work for Textron, correct? Correct. And you do sales uh, mainly with Beechcraft and some Cessna. I saw that you are now flying the caravan. Yeah, so I'm a regional sales director for Textron Aviation. I sell into Georgia, Alabama, and Mississippi for the factory. So I sell new Cessnas and Beechcraft. So that's the 172 up to and including the caravan now. So I recently got that one to sell and hopefully start flying soon. That's the only one that I'm not a demo pilot on yet just because it's so new to our team. But hopefully I can get checked out in that soon because it's such a cool airplane. Yeah. And how long have you been doing that? I've been working for Textron for about four and a half years. Wow. And now I actually did listen to your podcast with uh, Justin, um, Pilot to Pilot. That was like two months ago, maybe. Is that right? Oh, gosh. I think it was longer. Really? Twice on time. Yeah, yeah. That one was a while ago. Wow. Yeah, so I kind of heard a little bit about what you do. And, you know, there was a lot of questions about how did you get into that? And it, I hate hearing that there's no secret formula. (laughs) <laughs> there's not no exact formula because I'm like how cool is that to have that as your job so yeah it's not like um an ABCD you know thing and if you do these steps you will get this job it's not like you know airlines where it's like okay I need to you know get 1500 hours and then I need to interview and then I get a job you know, right. it's not broken down that simple and that's just because there's not a lot of this job on my team, there's 
So I want to say there's 12-ish of us for the whole like world. nationwide? Universal. Wow. Like we're on okay. our team. And then we have a separate team that sells the jets. So there's quite a few more on that side. But the folks that sell new Beechcraft and Cessna pistons, there's only, yeah, there's like 10 or 12 of us for the whole wow. world. And that's it. So yeah. that's why it's so hard. And we all come from different walks of life. Some people have been in, you know, sales for a really long time. Some te- people that we've pulled from finance, we've pulled other people from Macaulay prop, other people from aftermarket sales. So everyone has like a different type of background, which is why it's so hard to tell people, this is what you got to do to get this job because we all got our jobs differently. So did you start out, because you just said that you are now flying the caravan. Do you start out with like, I don't know, the 172 or any kind of work up or how does that work yeah so i don't buy the caravan yet that's the one that i'm i'm waiting on but when i joined the company i already had a ton of skyhawk time i was flight instructing at the time whenever i got picked up by textron so my first checkouts were in the 172 and 182 and that was kind of simultaneously they're pretty similar similar so we did those first and then flew those around for a while got some more hours and some confidence up as a demo pilot and then started working my way up next to the Turbo 206, and then the Bonanza, and then eventually into the Baron. Oh, man. I love the Baron. That's an awesome flight plane. You were flight mm-hmm. instructing when you found this job, correct? Correct. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, on average, how many hours do you think you had when you switched over to that um, I only had around 300 hours because my, my role as a sales director, I, it's not just a demo pilot role. Our demo pilots, if that's just what you want to do full time, um, you have to have higher hours, typically around 500 in your commercial CFI, double I. But to be a sales director, um, technically, you don't even have to be a pilot. So I work in sales. Mm-hmm. But the cool thing is that if you do have your ratings and you do want to become a demo pilot as well and do your own demos rather than have someone else at Textron come do the gear demo for you, then you have that option. So that's what I opted to do. That's awesome. Cause you're just like this badass. Like I do <laughs> ever get questioned when you show up and you're like, I'm here to demo the plane for you. Do you ever like get a little flack for being female or is it, Sometimes, rarely, most people think it's super awesome and it, it's it's an advantage most of the time. But every once in a while, um, you get the little snarky comments and stuff. And, and usually that's all it is. And that's fine. I can take a snarky comment. But, yeah. I'm, you know, it's not like I've ever had someone who didn't want to work with me because I was a girl. So right. Things are right. pretty good. <laughs> so what was your goal when you got into flying? Did you want to go the airline route or what were your plans? No, I was never too interested in the airlines. I was always more interested in corporate, mm-hmm. um, something like that, like flying for a company's flight department or something. That's what always interests me. Um, for a little while, I had some interest in the military, but yep. nothing that I really took too far other than an idea, you know, just thinking about, I'm sure everyone thinks about being a fighter pilot at some point in their life. Yes, totally. So, so, uh, no, I never really had a a big allure to the airline. Yeah. Did you guys, are you guys into airline stuff? 
No, not at I all. Started, I started <laughs> flying at 28, 29. So it was kind of a afterthought. I own a salon. I never even thought I'd be in this realm of aviation. So I didn't grow up with it. Did you, I mean, I know Natalie had some family that flew, but did you have any family that flew? No, no one in my family flies. Um, Same on my husband's side. So we are both new, you know, new generation to aviation stuff in our house. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Now what does he do? He's an air traffic controller. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, it's a cool dynamic. Yes. Totally. Is he a I pilot? Bet you're, you're, go ahead. Is he a pilot as well? Is your husband a pilot as well? Or no, he's a he's a student pilot right now, and we're not. I wouldn't say we're training, training, but every once in a while we'll go up with the purpose of getting him some hours and some time flying. He wants to get his license eventually, but it's just not something that we focused on quite yet. Yeah, I bet your um your your abilities on the comms are amazing. <laughs> yeah, well, it's nice having him when we come along on a trip. Like, well, I know you got radios, and I get to yes. relax on that. Totally. <laughs> oh, my like gosh, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, the perfect co-pilot. Yes, totally. Perfect pilot when you can do the communication. Yes. yes. That is awesome. <laughs> then I get to do all the fun stuff, and right. you can do the radios. <laughs> right. So do you have a favorite airplane with, um, with Textron that you like to fly? My favorite to fly is definitely the Baron. There's just something about it and just the sound of it, whether you're in the plane or not on the plane, if you just watch a Baron take off, like you, it's so distinctive. You're like, that's a Baron. You yeah. Know, I just love it. It's such a cool. Yeah. So recently um, I was just asking Alyssa, I was like, okay, she bought an airplane recently. It's a cute little plane. Oh my gosh. I love the colors of it and everything. So cute. What made you decide to, to purchase a plane? Oh my gosh. I've always wanted to have a plane since, since I've been selling them. I wanted, I was about to say since I've been in aviation, but I guess that's not true. Um, not that I never wanted one. I just never thought that I could. I never thought that that was a possibility. I didn't know much about how much airplanes cost and all that type of stuff. It was just so foreign because I was new to aviation, but ever since I've been selling planes, like, okay, I've got to do this for myself one day. And I'm so happy that we did. It's awesome. And I know you just bought an airplane too. So congrats to you. Well, thank you. What a new way of life to be an aircraft owner. I know it's, uh, it's fun. Um, well, I was just telling Alyssa, you know, I've had some issues with the plane, but we won't go into all that. I don't want to be a downer. (laughs) No, that's okay. But I guess that's, you know, ups and downs of owning a plane. And yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. We could do a whole series on airplane ownership. Totally. <laughs> sure. Total disaster. So yeah. Multiple, I think. Do you still sure. own a plane? I am in a club now. I had a partnership and we ran into some mechanical issues, went into the shop and it just kind of spiraled down from there between my partner and the mechanic and just miscommunications and so I'm like, yep, if I own a plane, it's going to be mine and only mine. And I will have a set mechanic and I will fly him wherever to fix it. I will yeah. not let anybody touch it. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's hard to find a good airplane partner. I don't know too many that I've heard of that have actually worked out. <laughs> so, That's so sad. Yeah. Yeah, I know. You end up with a um, Cubcrafter airplane when you work for Textron. Like what, 
what was your thought process of buying or did, was it just too good of a deal to pass up? Um, well, I really wanted to get into tailwheel flying. All the work I do for Textron is, you know, the normal tricycle type. And I wanted to expand that side and start flying some tailwheel, get that type of experience. And I live at a grass strip. So I wanted something that would be good on a small grass strip that I could push in and out of my hangar easily. So I really wanted a tailwheel. I preferred to have a two seater for our first plane. I just wanted to start small. That way I can have time to take the right steps and get, you know, big and bigger in aviation as we go. But for the first one, I wanted something like cheap to operate. I didn't have to worry too much about something simple. And I'm very spoiled flying all the new planes for Textron. Um, they're all brand new with the latest avionics and all that type of stuff. So I could have bought an older Cessna, like, um, a Cessna 170, which would still be great or a Cessna 140 or 120 or whatever. And that's how I could have gotten in the tailwheel if I wanted to stay with Cessna, but I'm just into the newer type stuff versus the vintage. I'm just not experienced enough with vintage planes to know, like, is that oil leak normal or is that a problem? Because yeah. with vintage yeah. stuff, you never know. You see oil coming off all the time and they're like, oh, that's normal. Like, <laughs> so like, long story. Yeah. <laughs> so long story short, I wanted something newer that when I look at it with my eyes, I know that this plane is good and it's good to fly versus, you know, something else. So we came across Cub Crafter after we've been looking and that's just kind of the best of all worlds. It's a tailwheel, it's a two seater and it's newer. So it has a little Garmin avionics in it and everything. It's only got 450 hours on it now. So it's pretty yeah. low time. And that's just what I was comfortable with. And yeah. unfortunately Cessna doesn't make anything similar that I could buy something Cessna or I would have. So yeah. that's how we landed with Cubcrafter. So they're not going to fire you, fire you for buying them. <laughs> no, we don't compete with Cub Crafter. That's so different than anything that we make. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so did you move into a, an air community, airstrip community before you bought the plane with the intention of having a plane at one point? Yeah, we did. It was kind of a chicken and the egg thing. We'd wanted a plane longer than we wanted a hangar home. And we were kind of plane shopping and at the same time we were looking for somewhere to put it like a ramp space or hangar space preferably and the, in the Atlanta area it is so hard to find space for your plane so everyone's like well if you buy a plane you'll find a spot for it but I just wasn't comfortable with that yeah <laughs> you know yeah. so then we started looking at different air parks I don't even know how we got on that idea and then once we started looking at some like that's what I have to have and we searched and searched for probably almost a year wow. before we found one. And then once we got the hangar home and got situated here just a few months later, that's when we bought the plane. Wow. Do you love it? Do you love the community? It is so cool. And yeah, we're, so we're a small one. It's only got like 20 houses here. Yeah. So there's not a lot of drama in some other air parks. There's a lot of drama about rules and all this other type of stuff, but everyone's on the same page here and everyone's super friendly. That is so amazing. I'm so jealous. So do you like take care? Like you're the, is there like an HOA or you all kind of pitch in and take care of the strip or what? Yeah, we have an HOA. So the HOA pays someone to mow our strip and that someone happens to be someone that lives in our neighborhood, but we pay him to mow. 
And then there's one community lot that has a community pool and pavilion and stuff for everyone. And then we all trade off mowing that lot. Wow. You only have to mow it once a year. So it's not a big deal. That sounds so nice. Do you commute like in your, in your airplane to like where you need to go pick up your work plane or what? I have before. Um, The tricky thing with the Cub Crafters, that's a very fair weather flyer. Uh. And especially me, I'm a new tailwheel pilot. It's a very, very light plane. So Mm -hmm. it's not good in high winds or anything. And obviously it's not IFR rated. So I flew it to work once, which is only like a 10 minute flight to get to where I keep my work planes. And I thought I was the bee's knees. thought I was so (laughs) I show up in my plane and hop out, hop in the other plane, parked right next to it. Like, this is awesome. awesome. By the time I was done with my work day, the winds picked up and it was like 25 not winds. Like, oh my gosh, now I'm stuck. I'm such an idiot. Oh no. I'm just going to go home. (laughs) So I had to wait like hours for the wind to die down so I could make it back home. Oh shoot. Yeah, so this weekend we flew to Indiana to a friend's house that lives on an air park. And there's probably five or six houses. Had a little cookout. And it just seemed like it was surreal to wake up and my airplane be in the driveway. I was like, wait, this is so weird. So It's awesome. I love that. Even a year in, two years in, I think I would still like go out and open the garage door and be like, this is so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I think we could do a whole show on fly-in communities. So I don't think a lot of people really know that much about them. The so how, yeah, how did you find out? So tell, tell, like educate people a little bit about what it is exactly. And, you know, just some basics that probably the general public doesn't really know about. Sure. So I don't know if you have like international listeners, but this isn't really a thing internationally. I don't know if any other country really has something like this. It's pretty, pretty much in the USA, but there are neighborhoods that have a runway or even multiple runways. In some cases, sometimes they're grass strips, like what we have. Some of them are even paved. Some of them have, you know, lights and are paved and have an instrument approach. Like, wow. you know, there's totally different calibers of these air parks. And then lined along the runway, and usually there's taxiways that go to other homes as well, are hangar homes. And that can mean a bunch of different things. So for us, we have an actual house, and then attached to our basement is like this little tunnel that walks to our hangar. So our hangar is technically separate from our house. Wow. There's like a little tunnel that you can go through. So Yeah. It sounds like Batman, kind of like a little secret. Yeah. Yes. Um, or there's some people in our neighborhood that have like an actual hangar without a house and they have living quarters inside the hangar and they have all the same luxuries that a house would, you know, air conditioning and kitchen and bedrooms and all that. But it's, you know, very like industrial style, style looking. Yeah. Um, so there's all different kinds or some people at air parks just have a hangar and they live somewhere else and they just like to hang out there and they have like a little apartment or something if they want to spend the night there every once in a while. So there's a bunch yeah. of different types. But yeah, then everyone lives there and you keep your plane there and fly in and out. And it's just the coolest thing. <laughs> so how do you find these like communities? Is it just your re- regular realtor would know about them? Is there a special um, aviation kind of real estate company? 
Sometimes they're listed online where you would find aircraft listings. Like you'll see them sometimes on Barnstormers or Wingswap or stuff like that. So you can find them sometimes that way. I would say your normal realtor probably doesn't know of, you know, yeah. the hangar park communities very well. Sometimes some communities have a realtor that they work with okay. and that knows it really well. But unfortunately, most of the time hangar homes sell before they ever even hit the market. So you have to kind of identify where you'd like to be and start making friends with those people. Go say hello, go to their cookouts, you know, that type of stuff and let them know that you want to move in because they start selling those houses, you know, for example, if we were to move out, obviously we'd tell our neighbors like, hey, we're thinking about moving out and they would know someone to buy it before we'd even have to yeah. list it. So you have to yeah. like, get in that circle. And like stalk them, basically. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which we did. We stalked like six different neighborhoods for so long. And then this one finally came available. I yeah. Think, I think actually the story with Val and her husband is they were looking for a place in this specific air park. And they were like going around knocking on doors yeah, yeah. to find, yeah. they're like, Hey, do you know anybody selling their house? You know, because if you find that specific air park or don't know anybody yet, just start knocking on doors. And, and, you know, aviation is such a small community of people. You probably know somebody who knows somebody that lives there and, yeah. you know, it's pretty welcoming. So it's, it's kind of easy to find those things out. And also there is a real estate company that helps uh, aviators, I think it's called like airparkmaps.com. Oh, yeah. Um, something like that. And so it yeah. kind of links all of them and then it has listings that you can put them on there. Yeah. Uh, cool. But I try to tell my friends like how to explain an airpark community to people. I'm like, <laughs> think of it as like a golf course, um, like country club community. There's a golf course and then there's all the houses surrounding it. Well, this is just a runway with. Right. You right. know, hangar homes uh, attached to it. Right. But way cool. Like, why would you want to live at the stuff. airport? Uh, oh my gosh, it'd be amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, just think like you don't have the commute to go to the airport to pull your to pull your airplane out to push it back in to put the hangar you know doors up or down and then you know go fly and do it all again and then drive home. Like I have a 45 minute drive, so uh, yeah. I'm thinking like that's an hour and a half just to like go and get the plane and, you know, drive home. So plus, you know, you have the coolest neighbors. I mean, yeah, <laughs> that's what I was about to say is like, for us, it's less about efficiency. Cause I, I really don't mind if I had to drive 30 minutes to a hangar, but more about the community. Like it was just so cool. We have like the hangar door rule. So if your hangar door is open, that means like, please come in, stop in, have a beer, have food, whatever. Like that's just like, the open invitation and everyone here pretty much always has their hangar doors open. So at night we all also have like golf carts and stuff. And at sunset, everyone just grabs a drink, gets on their golf cart and like rides around and you go say, Hey to all your neighbors and go chit chat for a while. So we talk to our neighbors like every single day. Yeah. And in our last neighborhood, that wasn't an air park is just a standard neighborhood. I didn't even know my neighbor's name. Like it was so close off of a community yeah yeah Yeah. right well I've gotten on that website before actually that you're talking about Alyssa and there is such a range of homes hangar homes you can get get some really inexpensively and then they have like some amazing places like near Yellowstone and there are these Uh, million dollar you know multi-million dollar homes 
There's an airstrip for sale over by Lake of the Ozarks right now, and it has just a little hanger with it. It's not anything major, but I'm like, hmm. <laughs> I don't have the airplane, but if I and the airplane. I'm sure you would get one. <laughs> yes. Right. Oh, yeah. Buy the hanger and the plane will come later. <laughs> yes, exactly. The airplane, I don't know. <laughs> Well, that sounds so amazing. That is kind of so my uncle actually lived on a private airfield in an air community for a long time. And I thought it was the coolest thing. I mean, it is cool. It's very cool. Yeah. I mean, even for non-aviator people, like when our family comes to town, we don't plan to go do anything. We just stay at the house and they absolutely love it. It's like something so different for them because they're not used to airplane stuff anyway. And we sit on the porch and have coffee and stuff and planes are taking off. And my mom's hitting me. I'm like, mom, I know. I see this all the time. And she's like, look, look. (laughs) Giving me bruises down my arm. Like, I know, mom, I live here. (laughs) Yes, right. So do you, I saw there was like an event. I think it was at your community that you had a fly-in kind of recently. Is that right? Or was it somewhere else? That was a different one. There's another, there's a ton of grass strips around here, actually. Um, Okay. There's a different airport called Peach State. Oh, And they have some fly-ins every once in a while. And they have a restaurant on the field. They have a nice big grass strip. And that's also an air park uh, community. So that's easily confused. But that's a different one. Yeah. So do you kind of feel like you have, because it seems to me, maybe I'm wrong, that you have kind of two different roles in aviation. You have kind of your fun, private kind of flying in your own plane, and then you have like work. Those two are so, so different. And even how I fly and operate and all that. So for work, they prefer we fly IFR all the time. If not, we have to be VFR flight following and all this. And we have a lot of different rules because um, we have t- hundreds of pilots that they're managing. So they have to have a pretty strict rule book. That way we're all safe. Yeah. And on my personal flying, you know, my plane's not even IFR equipped. And right. for work, I'm not allowed to go into grass strips unless we have prior approval and all that. And then for fun, like I only go to grass strips and I'm grass strip hopping all night. So yeah. that's something that my dad brought up. He's like, so why do you want to buy your own plane and fly in your off time when all you do is fly all day for work? I'm like, these are two totally different things. Like it feels like two totally different hobbies. Like Yeah, yeah. What's your favorite part about um, about your job? My favorite part is doing the demo flights. That's so awesome to be able to take someone up for a flight. And I won't take credit for this, but one of my coworkers had this term that he, when he was teaching me about being a demo pilot, because he's been doing it for 20-something years, he's like, whenever you shut down the plane after a demo, like, don't move. Don't say anything. Don't take off your headsets. He's like, just watch and you'll see what's called the golden moment. I'm like, what's the golden moment? He's like, you'll see them sit there. And as long as you don't sit and move, they will sit there and not do anything. And you'll just see them start smiling. And they almost like just, he's like, sometimes I'll sit there for 10 minutes and they're just taking it all in. And they've just had the greatest time and they're contemplating buying this plane from you and you'll watch them have the golden moment. So now I do that every time and it never fails. Like, I just sit there silently and I won't move an inch until they do. And you'll see them just take in the whole thing. And they're just scanning the avionics again, looking around. And they usually have their headsets on still, too. They're just like in all of this. And that's just so rewarding. So yeah. how do you 
find out the, these customers? How do you find them? I mean, what's the they call in and they're interested? Are you seeking them out? You have leads, or or how does that work? It's a little bit of everything. So um, we go to all the shows like Oshkosh and Sun and Fun and stuff like that. So we get leads through that and some customers through those shows and different stuff like that. Um, we also have partner flight schools and maintenance facilities, and they can get referrals for referring new customers to us. So we'll normally get a few out of that. We do have a call-in center, obviously, and a website inquiry thing that you can submit to be contacted by a sales rep so you get some of those. But majority of my business is contacting um, current owners, our installed base. And going through people that have, you know, a five to 10 year old airplane and seeing uh, if they want to upgrade into a new one. So that's yeah. the most common way. Yeah. Do you have like quotas and things like that? Whenever I think of sales, there's usually yes. something like that. Yeah. 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 It's very much a sales job. Yeah. We have, we have goals that we have to hit and yeah. stuff like that. Have you ever been close to being fired? <laughs> <laughs> no, I've been extremely fortunate. Every year that every full year I've had at the company, I've exceeded my goal. So I've, I've earned my keep. <laughs> yes, totally. Do you ever sell to schools or is there like a separate department for like flight schools? There's a separate department for flight schools yeah. that just deals with those big fleet orders. I think it would be cool to really kind of, because, you know, I mean, I like to get to know people. I like to spend time with people. I like to hear what their stories are. Is that something you really like when you're, you're kind of one-on-one with the customer and developing kind of that relationship with them? Yeah, that's the best. And on the piston side, at least, the jet world can be a little bit different. It's more of a business transaction. But on the piston side, you know, someone buying a 182 for me, it's such an emotional purchase for them. It's something that they might've dreamed about their whole life and they created their own company and it's really taken off lately and they finally get to do this. Oh, and yeah. you just see how much they appreciate it too. It's such a different uh, purchasing process than, yeah. like I said, like with a jet, that's just, you know, a business asset. Yeah. This is such an emotional purchase. And do you, um, getting to know your customer, I guess this might be a secret, but do you kind of scope them out on like social media and try to figure things out before you meet them. Because I feel like that would be something I would definitely want to do and just um, kind of get a feel for who they are to like cater to them. Oh, good point. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So that's, um, that's called qualifying, right? So we don't have, we don't have our customers or prospective customers, you know, send us our, their bank accounts, but how am I going to know that this guy's worthy of my time and resources and bringing a new plane two states away for him to demo. Like you got to have some way to qualify. And a lot of that you can do over the phone. And most of the time you can tell people are being genuine and just asking about their job and stuff. But a really easy follow-up is to hop on Facebook or whatever. And, and just hop online, just verify that what they're saying is true and correct and that they look like they would be qualified. Right. You, know? um, right. you can tell a lot through someone's social media. So that's totally. part of the process, actually. Yeah. And something that yeah. we don't talk about a lot. But yeah, that's part yeah. of it. I would have never thought of that. That's That was a great question, Alyssa. <laughs> yeah. Wow. My, my girlfriend is an accountant. And, you know, I've in the last few months been looking at doing some things. And, and she's like, well, why don't you just check them out on Facebook or, you know, kind of dig into people's stuff? Because she's like, then you know their legitimacy. You know their 
you know, it's, it's more than, you know, here, give me your license. Let's take out this new car for a spin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. more a, this is an airplane and I'm flying it to another state so that you can have it demoed, you know? So that's. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So are they like kind of ready to purchase when, when you go demo or are you in the beginning stages of the sales process? It depends. Each situation is a little bit different. Sometimes we go demo and that's what the deal is riding on. We might have a contract in place contingent upon a successful demo. So maybe sometimes it's the end of the purchasing stage or sometimes it's the very beginning. Maybe we've only had a phone call or two, but they're super interested and that's what I need to do to get the conversations continuing because Maybe they've never flown a 182, so I need to demo a little bit earlier than someone who's owned five 182s in their life. That can yeah. wait till later to show them the newest avionics stuff, but they know what the 182 is. So right. it just kind of depends. True. Because okay, so let's talk about Schmindy. <laughs> oh, God. How did Schmindy all begin? Say again? How did Schmindy all begin? The whole Instagram Schmindy thing. Where did that all start? It actually started as a fishing page. So me and my husband are huge into fishing. And that was before I was a pilot and before I was even a student pilot. We would go fishing all the time. We would just post photos of our big fish or my big fish that we would catch. Yeah. And so I got featured on a lot of fishing pages. And so that grew to like, you know, a couple thousand followers or whatever. It was up six, seven thousand or something. Then I started flying. I was like, well, I like this hobby better. I'm going to start posting out flying. So I did. And then it just kept growing and, you know, getting featured on other sites and stuff. And it just keeps accumulating over time. But it's it's been years since it's been up. So do you use it as a way to help with sales or do you use it really just for fun? Or what do you see it as for you? It's a little bit of everything. It's a little bit of like encouragement to other people to get into aviation and see like the really fun side of stuff. And it's a little bit educational because I am a flight instructor, even though I don't actively teach too much anymore. I do still like the educational side, like to teach people and show people different features and stuff. And then it's a little bit for sales, you know, since I have this platform, why not use it for, you know, the good of my work as well. So I post a lot about the new planes that we have and the newest features and techie stuff. And we do have a ton of customers on Instagram. You wouldn't really think so, but I get calls all the time from customers that saw stuff on there or they'll comment on it like, oh, this looks just like my 206. And it was someone that I sold a 206 to a year ago. Um, they're on there and they're watching and it's very helpful. And I, I get leads through Instagram um, quite often now through through messages and it might not always be in my territory, but that's fine. You know, obviously I don't mind passing them off to the right person, but it's awesome to have that impact. Right. Yeah, that is cool. I do like, I kind of learn from you and cause like there's so much to learn about using Instagram and all the stories and everything. And I'm like, I'll see some of your stuff. I'm like, how did she do that? I got to <laughs> figure out how she did that. <laughs> <laughs> Trial and error. <laughs> yeah. There's so much creativity, I feel like, involved in Instagram, which is one of the reasons why that's kind of my favorite, I think, out of all the social media platforms. I feel like Instagram is like people are trying to inspire, you know, other people and it's kind of a happy place. It's not like a 
I feel like Facebook is like a forum anymore where it's like going to complain or something where Instagram, everybody's just posting and like trying to encourage others. And, and I think your page is definitely one of those that I've always followed and like been excited to see what's out there. And yeah, you know, just, yeah. Yeah. Instagram's the only social media I have. I don't have any other ones just because of what you were talking about, how it seems like a place for people to complain or argue and, I'm very much the type of person that deletes, you know, stressful stuff out of my life. Like I don't have any issue with that. And so I deleted my Facebook probably like eight years ago and never got it back. And I only have Instagram, but I lied. I do have a Facebook. It's a blank account going back to what we talked about earlier, literally so I can sign in and look Uh, up like some of my customers. Yes. (laughs) Right. Check them out. Yeah. 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 (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, and I, you know, I'm I'm sure you enjoy it because you're so good at it and you're so, you, you obviously like to do it and you like creating stories and the posts and, and things like that. So I think it's cool. What, what do you like about it the most? Yeah, I love, like you mentioned, the creativity side. Like I really love photography and film and stuff like that and creating things and little projects. I've always yeah. been into stuff like that. So I just like being able to take a photo and transform it into something cool and, you know, add on the other extra stuff and tell people about what it is. Like, it's just a cool platform to be able to do that in a very like quick and simple short format. Because like you mentioned, Facebook, I hate to read people's diaries. That seems like it's as long as the Bible. Yeah. (laughs) I just want like two sentences and then I'm good. I'm going to keep scrolling. Yeah, (laughs) I agree. Yeah. I'm not on here to read a novel, people. I just want to like. Give me the basic facts. And maybe that's Instagram has kind of spoiled me with that because you just yes. get short little snippets. Yeah, That's all I need. <laughs> I think the first time I had like maybe reached out to you or something, it was because I saw you had posted the red, white, and blue Baron, um, like paint scheme. I can't. Oh remember. yeah. I remember that now. And I was like, Oh my gosh, that looks exactly like the one I had flown. And, yes. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so it was like a 2015, I think, that I had flown, but uh, that's probably the newest, fanciest airplane I've ever flown. So that's it had pretty it, new. It was yeah, yeah. air conditioning, and I was like, "This is amazing." Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. 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 I and love do you. Go ahead, Alyssa. I love Instagram just because of the connections that you can make with right. so many other positive people and. And just to have each other to kind of fall back on too, when we don't get to go to Oshkosh and we don't get those things to see each other, it still feels like we're all somehow connected. Right. True. True. I do want to join in. So have you been to the Heaven's Landing? You have, haven't yes. you? Yes. Did you? Was your first flight in there with Steve-O? Uh, oh gosh, that's a good question. I think I've been, no, I've been there. Okay. Okay. I think. Now I'm questioning it. I'm not sure. I've been there a few times. (laughs) Captain Val loves it. So do you go often? Is that far from your house? What what do you like about it? It's not far. So that's in North Georgia. I live in just south of Atlanta. So in most planes that I fly, that's maybe an hour top flight. It's probably 45 minutes in most things that I fly. And that's just because I have to get around Atlanta airspace. Yeah, right. Oh my gosh, that place truly is heavenly. <laughs> I don't mean That's to sound I like a salesperson right now, but that is 
such a cool place. You have to ride up with Valerie sometime. I know. I want to so badly. So what's so awesome about it? Yeah. It's um, just nestled into the Blue Ridge Mountains. And it's one of those places that you can't find it till you're like on final and lined up. So you're like flying through the mountains. And then all of a sudden you'll come up on the airport and it's this beautifully landscaped airport. And it's surrounded by um, national forest or a state park or something. I forget exactly what it is. So it's never going to be built on all this like forestry that's around it, which is huge. And so they have this, you know, private piece of property right there that they've built a ton of hangar homes and also mountain homes. So not everyone there has an airplane, but some people are there because of the mountain views, because you can go in that neighborhood and it has so many windy roads, get up to the top of the mountain. And some of those houses have the most incredible views. And they're working on building like some horse stables there too, which is really cool. I guess a lot of people are into horses there and want to keep their horses there. So they're working on that. They have an incredible country club that overlooks the runway. And then the most uh, incredible part to me is their hangers there. It's the only time I've ever seen two story hangers. Oh, so, okay, cool. Yeah. When you come yeah. off the runway, um, you're at the bottom level of the hangers and then, mm-hmm. you know, everyone has a different little hanger, obviously, but they're all attached, you know, like normal box hangers are. And yeah. then you can take a taxiway up a little hill. And then on the back side, you enter to the top side of the hangers and, the top hanger oh. and it's like there's even like a king air on the top like that's oh how like goodness. wow yeah there's been videos from val posting and i'm like what is going on are these <laughs> apartments outside like stairs or so that totally makes sense i'm like this totally makes sense now like yeah, yeah. yes two-story hangers i don't know anywhere else that i've seen two-story hangers i've never heard of it yeah. Yeah. And then they obviously have like condos or something like that and, and homes you mentioned. So there's different kind of various kind of living arrangements there. Yeah. So they have those hangers because not all of the homes there can have a hanger attached to it because like I said, it's in a mountainous part. So if you're up the mountain, obviously you can't have a hanger there. So then they have these two story hangers where you can um, buy one of those to keep your plane yeah. in. And yeah. then the other ones that can have hangers, they do, which are the ones that are like closer down to the runway. Okay. So we mentioned Steve-O. You've done some, some videos with him. What are some of your favorite kind of people or maybe some of your f- most memorable flights that you've had? My most memorable flights um, at work. Um, I got to fly. Have you ever been to beach party? No. Beach but party. Uh, sounds like something I want to go to. <laughs> Beach with two E's, B-E-E-C-H. So that's hosted in Tullahoma, Tennessee at the Beechcraft Heritage Museum. It's really cool. So a lot of Beechcraft owners get together and and you don't have to own a Beechcraft. You can fly in whatever, but it's mainly Beechcraft aircraft there. Actually, Captain Val invited me to that one year. Yeah, it's not far from where... My family lives. My family is in Nashville. And she was like, hey, we're going to Tullahoma to this thing. And I couldn't actually go that time. And I'm assuming it was canceled this year. But yeah, yeah, now that makes sense. I remember that. Yeah. So, yeah, so close to Nashville, like probably a 20 minute flight or roughly an hour drive, something like that. But um, it's a really cool event. It's every October. Like you said, this year they had postponed it because of the coronavirus stuff. But 
Um, when I was there one year, I got to fly a beach 18 and that was a super awesome Ooh. highlight. I've never flown in something like that before. And yeah. at that point I didn't have any multi-time, didn't have any tailwheel time. So to get into a beach 18 was just so awesome. Oh, that is cool. Yeah. So tell me about with, have you ever had any like crazy, like customers or anything like that? Or, um, okay. She Not laughed. really. <laughs> No, not really. I mean, there's some characters just like any other industry. And I mean, aviation seems to have a lot of characters, but I haven't had any crazy incidences. Yeah, true. So what do you do when you go to Oshkosh? You're actually working, right? Yes. I've never been to Oshkosh for fun, which is yeah. sad. I get to see all you guys go have fun all day. And I'm stuck in my booth. Oh, I <laughs> fun all day. Let's just keep it. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah I'm in the booth pretty much with oh, over harness and then yeah so yeah. I somebody was saying the other day like you know they're so sad that we didn't get to have Oshkosh now I am so sad that we didn't get to have it and I'm sad that I didn't get to see all my friends in one place at one time but it's a long week when you wake up at 6 a.m. And then you're there, you're standing all day, you're talking all day, you lose your voice because you've been talking mm -hmm. and then you go out of an evening to keep, you know, and, and really like, I'd say till like 10 o'clock, I'm still working mm -hmm. because I'm, you know, going to these events or whatever for them or with them. And then it's kind of my time after that. So I stay up having fun with my friends, but then I don't go to bed till two or three because I'm up talking and I really don't drink that much. So like three drinks and I'm, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, what I need to be. So it's like, I just stay up late. Well then, you know, here comes the uh, arrow shell at six o'clock in the morning again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so so we have a similar schedule there, but isn't it crazy how you get through it? Because when I'm at home here in Georgia, if I stay up till 3 a.m., you know, with friends, I'm not going to be useful at all the next day. I, right. I can't. But yeah. there at Oshkosh, every single night you do that, you sleep for three hours, you make a quick turn, you spend all day on your feet. And I'm like, how do we do that? It's like everyone turns into robots. Like, wow. Yes, totally. <laughs> totally. Last year, we, I had to be home or somebody had to be home on Sunday so we ended up drive. We we went to the Saturday night air show. We left after the air show and drove through the night home. So oh I don't goodness. know what time the air show got over, but like ten or yeah. late. Yeah. And we left and we drove eight hours home. And wow. oh, we were both falling asleep at the wheel. I it was bet. So bad. But I didn't anticipate just like crashing from the entire week of Oshkosh. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah. I'm like, I just can't, I would drive for an hour and be falling asleep and he'd drive like four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, so how many Oshkoshes have you been to Mindy? I've been to four, I think. Okay. Three and or four. Do you typically stay? We normally stay in Appleton. This past year though, or last year, I guess, um, we had planned to stay in Appleton, but there was some crazy storm that went through Appleton oh, and yeah. Yeah. like all the hotels were out of power. So we got yeah. kicked out of that hotel. We weren't even able to check in. So everyone just kind of scattered and found, you know, the one or two open hotel rooms at other places that did have power. And then I ended up at an Airbnb 
um, with some of my yeah. coworkers, which actually turned out to be nice. It was right by the seaplane base. Oh, and nice. So we were like right on that lake and it was this big, huge house. We each had like our own floor, which was nice. So we wow. had our own like bathroom and bedroom and everything. Yeah. We were very much separated, but that was awesome. I would definitely do the Airbnb again. Yeah. That worked out well, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you fly a plane, a work plane into Oshkosh? Are you responsible for that? Sometimes. It depends on where the planes are coming from. So we have demo planes and we have a few of each model. And then they pick certain ones based on their paint scheme on which ones will go to Oshkosh because they want them all to match. And yeah. All year long, we all trade demo planes and stuff. Like, they they end up everywhere. It's not like I keep the same planes all year. So, it just depends on who has what when it's time to go to Oshkosh. So, we don't really find out yeah. until, like, two weeks before if you're flying one in or if you need a commercial up. Yeah. So, so what's next? <laughs> what do you want to do? Would you want to sell jets? What do you, what's, how do you see what's going to happen in the next five years with your career? Oh, I don't even know. I'm good with this right now. I don't think I want to sell jets. Um, yeah. If that opportunity presented itself, then I would have to, to decide. But as of right now, I would like to stay what I'm doing because like we talked about, I get to be a demo pilot as well and flying is my actual passion and sales I like because I'm competitive and I like the personal connections that you do. So I enjoy sales, but my passion is flying. So if yeah. I were to sell jets, you don't get to be a That'd jet be demo different. pilot and yeah. a jet salesperson. You kind of have to pick one or the other. So yeah. what I do is kind of best of both worlds. And I really yeah. enjoy that. Totally. So who's yeah. your biggest competitor? You're, you're talking about competition. Who's the biggest competitor? Well, who still makes pistons right now is Piper, Diamond, and Steris. Those are the most common ones that yeah. we really deal with. There's some international ones, of course, like Technum and stuff, but we don't, I don't really deal with that too much. Well, it's not like cutthroat, is it? I mean, you all kind of like, or is it? <laughs> um, sometimes, I guess. But with the aviation world, it seems like um, pilots especially are such planners. And they do so much research before they even pick up the phone. So if someone's like, oh, I think I want a 182 or a diamond or something. They're on the internet for probably days, if not weeks watching YouTube videos, looking at our website, downloading our brochures. And by the time they call me, they're like, okay, like, I'm pretty sure I want the way to, I've done a lot of research. Can you just confirm what I've learned? And yeah. that's kind of my job. And then to get through the numbers and get through the demo and all that type of stuff. But rarely do I have someone that comes to me in the beginning phases of thinking about that. Like, Hey, I might want this or this. I haven't researched either. Tell me about them. Like right. that is, so rare they normally yeah. have done so much research already yeah that makes sense totally yeah. anything else Alyssa? you think we need to talk about i was just uh, odd question but when people come to you wanting to buy a new airplane are you showing them hey we have xyz and it's this model this model this model already built ready for you or are you like or you can custom build something like what would be like, what do you guys kind of do? And what would be like your lead time, like your time that they would have to, you know, produce something mm -hmm. custom? That's a really good question. Um, on the piston side, it's usually that um, we have a backlog on most of our stuff. So when someone comes to us like right now, for example, and says, I want to buy, you know, a 206, 
you know, my lead time might be six months out. So in that case, they get to pick everything out, usually around like three months before a plane is being, you know, completed at the factory. That's when you can still customize what you want. Once you start getting to like, oh, the plane is going to be ready in two months, you don't have much time to customize things, especially at one month, then it's already kind of completed and going into paint and stuff. So when we have a backlog, then they custom order. When we don't have a backlog, if we're behind on a model or something, we might have some ready and then we're pitching a specific model. But they always have the yeah. option to build one. You can always, you know, build one and wait for the next spot yeah. line. Does that happen a lot? Does what happen a lot? That people want to order one specifically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Most of the time, yeah, because when you're spending that much money, you want to at least pick out the colors, you know? Yeah. Seems like, well, I'll take that back. A lot of the guys don't really care about the colors. A lot yeah. of the wives normally do. Yeah. They're like, well, I want to pick it out. I want to be a part of this. So it just depends, but we do a good job of specking the planes. Like if there's a, a unit that's unsold and going down the line at the factory, then the factory picks out the most common options that people like. And we pick out a super basic paint scheme. Like we're not going to slap pink on it and put it down the line. <laughs> Sorry, Alyssa. Yeah. <laughs> you guys painted one, maybe I would buy a brand new 206. <laughs> See, so in your case, you would build one custom. Right. So what's your typical uh, demographic of, of a client buying? Um, let's say, well, what's your most common plane that you sell? 182, 172 or what? We sell the most 172s because yeah. we have big fleet orders for that, but I don't sell fleet. So what I sell the most of is I sell a really good mix of everything, but probably the 182 is probably what I sell the most of. Is it usually like a business thing for like a small business owner? Or is it usually a family thing or, or what? It's typically attached to a business. It's a lot of, seems like the most common story is that, you know, these guys got their pilot license way back when, started flying, then their business took off. They put that on the back burner, grew their business into this successful small business. And now they're back at a time where they can kind of take a step back from that. They have some money. They want to buy a new plane and get back into flying. Yeah. And then there's some that use their planes exclusively for business travel. You know, even, yeah. you know, they just obviously they're also a pilot. I rarely get someone that wants to hire a pilot for a 182. That doesn't yeah. Really happen. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, it's pilots who are also successful small business owners is the main demographic. Do you ever sell to women? Is that probably not very often, right? I've sold only to one female. Wow. Wow. Yes. yes which That's is very sad. I know. I wish there was more. There was one other deal that the daughter was pretty involved. And so that was really fun. But other than that, I've only had one female buyer. Yeah. Well, that sounds really cool. Um, so, Alyssa, cover your ears. If you're looking for a replacement, let me know. <laughs> okay. We're not friends anymore. Uh, no, I had told uh, that's something I was, I was excited to do this podcast because um, I actually was supposed to work for a aircraft company at Oshkosh this year. And um, my dream would be to just be a demo pilot or, 
something that like, um, I don't know if you know, Kevin Oaks that works for, uh, Aviat Husky and, you know, he pretty much has like the best gig out there. He's a demo pilot for them. He gets to keep one of their planes, fly it around, show people. And he doesn't have to be there. He doesn't have to, you know, work on their schedule. It's just, you know, kind of sales. And I don't know, like, I'm like, that's pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to be him. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, that's we'll cool. See. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what aviation opens up to me later in life, mm-hmm. but I'm okay right now. So well, I don't think like a lot of people, a lot of connections. I'm sure you'll yeah. find something awesome. Yeah, a lot of people want your job, Mindy. So um. <laughs> I've heard. <laughs> and that sounds like the perfect job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, people don't see, you know, all the paperwork and computer work and uh, the corporate right. life, you know. Yeah. Obviously, that's not fun for me to share on Instagram. So I agree, though. From what I show on Instagram, it looks like the best. And it is sweet. But, it, you know, there's right. also some, like, typical, like, oh moments. <laughs> Yes, I know. I'm sure just with any job, you know, there's yeah. the fun part. And there's the not so fun parts that you just have to get through. It's just part of it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. the fun outweighs all the other stuff. So it works yes. out. <laughs> yeah. You've got a good gig. So I hope it lasts and you enjoy it for a long, long, long time. Thank you. Yeah. And you're I think you're really inspiring a lot of women to see kind of, you know, being in sales and that kind of thing that not all women see them. In. I mean, you're like you're a badass. You're in sales and you're flying airplanes. <laughs> yeah. and it's like, oh my gosh, it's such a cool, adventuresome kind of job. And, you know, you mentioned you like competitiveness with the whole sales and, and everything like that. Typically, I feel like maybe pilots are kind of like that. They kind of get into competition and stuff. Um, and they're always liking to push themselves. So um, it's a great gig. And, and I hope that you just enjoy it for a long, long, long time. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Well, thank you so much for taking time out to come on. Um, I know you're busy and we appreciate it and think that you're a really cool individual and hopefully we'll get to run into each other again at some point. Definitely. Thank you guys for having me. I hope I get to see you guys soon. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, this was uh, Cockpits and Cocktails with um, Fly Girl Kelly and Fly Alyssa. And, and Mindy. Mindy. <laughs> <laughs> Go yes. check it out. Guys. All right. Well, have a good night, y'all. Yeah. Cheers. Yes. Cheers. Bye, Mindy. See ya. You've been listening to Cockpits and Cocktails with your hosts, Natalie Fly Girl Kelly and Fly Alyssa. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and join us next time for a lively discussion on aviation, aerospace, the air travel industry, and all things flight related. Aerospace and the air travel industry. Let it go to my head, I should let it fly.